Hello and welcome to 15 Minute Medicine, where we try to make medicine as simple as possible, but not simpler than that. I'm one of your hosts for the day's podcast, um, Nicholas Mutanda Musoke. I'm joined by Farah Chigumadzi and Ekoso Honba. How are you doing today, gents? Oh, we're doing all right. I'm doing all right. Still keeping under strict lockdown conditions. It's been a bit tough, but, you know, as an essential service, just going through the motions trying to stay as safe as possible. You for I? <laughs> I'm, I'm also good. Thank you, Nick, for the very formal introduction. You're welcome. Um, How are you so, doing, Nick? Uh, no complaints. Same as usual. Essential service worker who can't get to do the few things that bring us joy, but we move. No other choice. What are these things that give you so much joy that you aren't able to do? I mean, go to the gym, go and watch a movie, order fast foods. You know, the small things in life yeah, that give you a bit of one. joy while you're working 8 to 5. Or... It's like a week until we can finally order fast food again. So nearly there. Or yeah. Thursday. They... Yeah. So today's topic um, is who should run a hospital? For I, when, when someone poses that question to you, what does it mean? What does the running of a hospital mean? To me, it's who is the big boss, as to say, who's getting people in line, who's deciding what equipment is needed, basically everything, person who's yeah, in charge. That's my, yeah, my very bad kind of, my definition, yeah, who's the boss at the end of the day. Okay. That's fair enough. Who's the, who's the boss at the end of the day? If also, when you hear who's the boss at the end of the day, is it who you report to every day, who makes the decisions every day? What do you what do you get from who's the boss at the end of the day? For me, I think it's the person who makes the decisions that matter or like a real that really matter. So you can report to someone every day, but they may still like not be able to make the decisions that matter to you. So like how much money you're gonna get for new ventilators if you're in ICU or whatever. You know, I think that person is the big boss, the one who makes the final sign off on are you gonna get the funding or not, or are you gonna get the new staff or not? You know, sure, that's fair enough. Um, and then just another follow up question What is the, the goal of a hospital? Is the, is the goal because you spoke about funding? Is the goal of a hospital to make money? Is the goal of a hospital to serve the community? What, in your opinion, is the goal of a hospital? A hospital is obviously part of uh, health services and provides services um, for the pop- health of a population, and I think. Its primary function is a, a service, you know, for the people. Whether it, whether it's making money, that money should ultimately still be going into serving and bettering the health of the community in which that hospital is in. So if they're running very well financially, then that's good. But as long as that money is not going to people's pockets, but back into the hospital, back into the community and improving people's health. I like that. It's very measured that it's about the hospital basically if it's making money serving itself and not serving like serving the people who work for it per se if you say so for i yes sorry can i just i mean so you're saying to make money so essentially are we all in agreement that at the end of let's say a financial year the hospital should then have a net balance of zero or like what like what are we saying because yeah is there a profit is there no profit how do we measure this profit if there is one what what are you leading with nick 
Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the concept of profit um, because that's going to tie into where we end up going with this podcast. So um, in my humble opinion, I think that it's a very difficult question because of the nature of a hospital or the nature of a hospital business as a facility, whether it be in private or whether it be in public, because at the end of the day, we're dealing with human life. And when you when you start dealing with human life, that's when the, the blur sort of comes in because can it be a bottom line of after all your expenses finishing with zero, 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 and then not having money to upgrade the hospital? Or do we turn people away who can't afford to be at said hospital because they don't, you know, tick the checks and balances? I think the answer to your question, Fry, depends on who you're speaking to because it's such a delicate question because we're dealing with human life. I accept your political response. Thank you. Although I would, I will, no, I'll allow you, I'll allow you to take us through this journey. I'll accept your response for now. Thank you. Um, so, Farai, your big boss of that that you mentioned in this running of a hospital, is this big boss on the ground every day, jumping from ward to ward, checking that everything is okay, or is big boss in meetings, um, trying to get through to funding, doing media things, trying to liaise on a bigger provincial scale? What is your idea of the big boss doing day to day? So I think what well, I think uh, it's imperative that the big boss knows what's going on on the ground, but I don't think it's an efficient way um, way to spend time going into each ward day by day. It would be I think a better um, way to spend time by having a check in with each ward, maybe monthly, weekly would be good, but yeah, I think monthly or quarterly to know the runnings of these wards. But I think it would be more important for them to be in all these meetings, discussing budgets, trying to get more funding for the hospital. There's people that are a lot closer to the situation that can act as a a way to mediate and to convey this information. So whether it's the matrons of the wards, the ward clerks and the HODs who have their wards under them, they can also be a bridge between the things happening on the ground and this big boss, so to speak. Okay. So that's that you, you, you're going in a direction. You're making it sound like the running of a hospital isn't a one-man job, and I like that. I like where you're going with that. Um, Efosa, uh, who should run a, do- a hospital, a doctor or not a doctor? By doctor, I use the term loosely as, as in healthcare professional or someone with healthcare experience. Personally, I think someone... With healthcare experience, or in to pull it colloquially, a doctor or just healthcare professional, or who's someone who's been within the system. But I think that shouldn't be the only prerequisite. They should have some good leadership skills, management skills, and if they need be additional qualifications. But I think definitely, let's call it the X factor would be the fact that they've understand what the people on the ground like are going through from a personal point of view. You know, and they're also relatable because also leading an organization is not only about how like good you are at your job, but also how you can like the respect of your the people who you are leading. If you don't have that respect or you don't and they might be just a little bit less respect just because of like, ah, this person, look at this person from corporate trying to tell me what to do. They've never been in a full like casualty, like left, right and center. They don't know what we're going through, you know, that kind of thing. They'll just be that little, and then it becomes more difficult to 
carry your vision if the people under you are not do not relate to you so to say you know okay all right yeah. we should run a hospital a doctor or not a doctor so my natural inclination is to agree almost wholeheartedly with the forcer to say a healthcare professional should be the one running a hospital but i don't think it's really clear cut i think that who depend who leads a hospital is a complex issue there's two main kind of seesaws or weight bridges that you need to balance and whoever can do that effectively i would say can lead a hospital so lead a hospital things, or run a hospital right we should run a hospital i still think yeah same same thing run a hospital if you can okay. balance the need for qualities versus cost if you can also balance the need for improving technologies and the need for humanizing the hospital experience whoever can do that to me doesn't necessarily have to be a clinician although you would naturally think a doctor or clinician or healthcare professional will be able to do that better i don't think it's a clear cut case but whoever, to me it's yeah whoever can do that should run a hospital okay that's good and yes or no i'm going to ask each of you to respond to this yes or no before you did maybe some background reading or did a little bit of digging into the topic of who should run a hospital did you think that there was an extra qualification that someone had to get to be able to run this hospital and for so you can go first not really in the sense of like qualification specific to healthcare i was aware of like qualifications that are just general like management qualifications like even an mba as an example you know which some principles can be applied to healthcare you know just in terms of leading organizations you know so but in sp- terms of specific to healthcare no all right you i think depending on who's running the hospital it, you definitely need further qualifications if we do take the route of a doctor healthcare professional yeah sorry keep limiting it but if a healthcare professional decides that they want to lead a hospital run a hospital then they're going to need to take a few courses in management and general man- management principles where if it's someone who has a strictly managerial um, background experience then they're going to need to gain experience somehow in what it means to be involved in healthcare because i think that healthcare and management although they have to come together they're two very different concepts and like i said before balancing things such as quality versus cost how can you manage the impact on someone's life versus how much you need to spend on that life it's a very difficult question and there's no easy way about going around it so you need to be quite well rounded to start making decisions related to that okay so a little snippet from the university of stellenbosch business school they have an mba in healthcare leadership um so just a sort of highlights is that it's a from what i gather a two year course um and just wanted to highlight the core modules which i think really stood out for me in terms of getting this balance of sort of the basics of what someone should be able to do if put in this position running or leading a hospital so in year 1 it's um accounting for decision making business and society which i can imagine becomes very um relevant um managerial accounting operational excellence um economics for manage- managers and strategic analysis in the year 2 core modules is um healthcare finance and governance 
International Study Module, Healthcare Systems and Policies, and Strategic Management. I just thought those those were sort of nice blended sort of module topics because they cover the the we need to be on the ground and have an idea of what's happening on the ground and internationally, and it balances it quite well with we can know everything about what's going on on the ground and internationally, but we be able to we also need to be able to balance the books at some stage. So just a quick glance at the admission requirements, and it's it's quite straightforward. You need a four-year bachelor degree and at least three years of relevant full-time working experience. I don't know whether that full-time working experience is now medical or in terms of managing, or you can get an honors degree plus three years of relevant working experience, or a three-year bachelor degree plus a post-grad diploma and at least three years working experience. So not it's it's I think it's fair to say you can get your opinions on it from from you both. I think it's fair to say that not just anyone can run a hospital. All right. A bit of a Fantastic. side note, Nick. I think yeah. I know. If also you said that you did in school you did economics, bio. Wait, what did you do? Economics, physics. Uh, I did accounting, physics, bio, and the core ones like the maths, English, language, and the LO. And you, Nick? Um, I did um, science, physical science and chemistry, obviously, um, biology and music, along with the core, the core subjects. So between Nick and I, of course, I might just squeeze in, but if you were just to take it like straight out of medical school with the prerequisites of what a hospital manager would be doing, I don't know, Nick, if you and I would be able to run a hospital in addition to what you said your the Stellenbosch course covers, I've also found like a list of core things that hospital managers are expected to do. So looking at things such as educating the community on important health topics, okay, I think we can cover that. Overseeing work schedules, supplies and budgets. Yeah, maybe we'll get there. Communicating effectively with departments and staff regularly. I think we get a bit of exposure to that now. But it's the things, like we said before, with the, the things to do with the budgets, budgeting, allocating departmental goals, strategizing ways to improve efficiently and quality, and looking at the quality of care. In our six years of medical school, a lot of the stuff is looking at, might look at community interventions, primary health care. But a lot yeah. of it is looking at, a, at improving yourself as a clinician. It doesn't really have much to do with teamwork as much as it is emphasized in a lot of cases but as a hospital manager you have to deal with so many different departments so many different people so many numbers budgets if we're looking at it purely not someone with a mixed background but someone who's clearly a clinician someone who's purely of managerial background that's when i start to get a bit hazy and wonder if a doctor is going to be able to do well in the role of a hospital manager because they might understand the role of health and what interventions need to be put in place, what needs to be in the wards. But I think it's a lot more complex than that. I don't know. That's Those are just my thoughts. Okay. No, we hear you. I mean, I, I get you that there is that sort of fine line is where would a doctor be able to have, be able to let go of his doctoring and become a, a manager? And when would a manager have to let go of his business and know that you know, we're short of green gel codes in the ward, or we don't need green gel codes in the hospital anymore, for example. Efosa, just your thoughts on a clinical manager, you know, because I, I'm not I'm not 100% sure that 
many hospitals have this clinical manager. For example, um, the hospital where, where um, Farhan and myself are currently working, um, if there are any problems over a call or after hours, you um, sort of call the superintendent on, on call that night. And I don't know whether there's a, a superintendent is just a different way of alluding to a clinical manager, but let's work them as sort of the same thing. Also, your thoughts on what a clinical manager's role is in running a hospital. Um, we do actually, at, at where I work, also have clinical managers. Actually, I think even more than one for different divisions like medical or surgical. And then who also report to like a hospital CEO. But I think their role would be to essentially, and I think also it just depends on like the system of the hospital, how it works and like the team that the big boss, let's just say is the hospital CEO, builds himself around. So I think maybe a clinical manager's role would be beneficial in the sense of they would like be running clinical services or like be in charge of how clinical, the clinical functions of the hospital. Then they, in addition to there's the accountants and the human resources, nursing, head of nursing, all of that are form part of like the broader management team who reports to the CEO and like how, and the CEO makes all the bigger decisions, so to say or their decisions that are made by the clinical manager, et cetera, have to be run through, you know, the CEO. I think it kind of like disperses like the management a bit and like doesn't leave so much burden on the big boss. And like it's alluding to what Farai said earlier about like not one man can run a hospital while alone, like or one woman. It needs to be a good team, management team, you know. And I think a clinical manager forms part of that in just running clinical services or coordinating clinical services with the heads of departments of each various clinical field. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you, is that the running of a hospital isn't one person's job. I think it's nearly impossible, especially the bigger the hospital and the more services you start to provide, it becomes sort of impossible for one person, whether it be clinical manager or CEO, superintendent. I think it becomes a lot more difficult for one person to sort of take responsibility without any other help from anyone from your, your head matron to the doctors working into the system, the nurses working into, into the system. I mean, your heads of departments become crucial because sort of if there's no sort of chain of, of, of command or chain of reporting, you know, it, it seems a bit ridiculous for everyone if there's a shortage of even something as, not, something as simple and non-clinical, if there's a shortage of toilet paper in every single ward or toilet paper in one ward, blue jalcos in another ward, CVP sets in theater, it becomes difficult for one person to have to bear the sort of burden of prioritizing what is more important, what should I attend to first. Yeah, Farai, do you have any closing thoughts? I do, actually. It's yes. been brewing for past two minutes, actually. But so, Nick, I just want to get your take. So you saying that you agree with Eforsa and me partially, that you think that a healthcare professional should run a hospital. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't outright say that a healthcare professional should run a hospital. I think a healthcare professional with the correct, the correct qualifications or the correct further qualifications should be running a hospital because I think it's a lot more difficult for someone who doesn't have any clinical experience, clinical exposure to understand the significance of not having pediatric gelcos in a pediatric ward. You know, it's it's easy, it's easy sort of on paper, but then they might say, 
Ponchi just used the blue gel codes, which are sort of a next step up internationally, you know? Yeah. So I think if you're coming from someone with, an, with a knowledgeable and further educated hospital background, it's the difference between, you know, asking if we can't just go up to blue gel codes to the complete other side of the scenario and not having needles, like needles and suturing material in the surgical wards. You understand? So uh, an example um, that is a bit more close to home that I experience is that we have a trauma ward um, at the hospital where I work, and it's where all of the, mainly males, because we have problems, um, but mainly <laughs> the patients um, end up being admitted to this trauma ward. And part of the sort of day-to-day management of this trauma ward is having to check and see if the patients who are admitted still need to have their intercostal drains inserted or if they're ready to be taken out. I mean, if you cut it straight into one example, not the the ones who's had their drains taken out but need them to be put back in or the ones whose drains slipped out but should actually still be in, I found myself in a position where um, it was difficult to get hold of a sterile pack with sort of the needle and syringe or not needle and syringe, I say, but with the the, the needle holder and the pair of scissors and the, the the grasping tool of which I can't get to the name of right now. But I mean, in this situation, I couldn't find any of those. And the only suturing material that was available was suturing material on the smallest needle with the smallest piece of suturing material that you could ever imagine. Whereas in my logic and in my thought process, and I'm definitely thinking from a clinical perspective, I don't think there are very, there are very many people who disagree with me. The most ideal situation is to have a nice, strong suturing material on a cult needle, which is one of those handheld needles, basically, be the most abundantly available in the trauma ward, to be putting in drains, suturing things without having to go to theater, not having to be held back by the constraints of having a needle holder. Yes, it brings other dangers like needle pricks, this, that, and the other, but practically, are you more likely to prick yourself with a bigger needle or with a small needle? So I think having that sort of clinical background, that clinical exposure, I think that that helps you to understand that we don't need, you know, a hundred blue jalcos in the surgical ward. No, we maybe need one or two for that very, very scorny individual, but we need bigger jalcos for adults. And we also need um, suturing material on a cult needle as opposed to on one of the small, finer needles. So that's where I think that having a clinical background as long as as long as you've also had this extra reading and extra qualification gives you the edge in being able to not only run a hospital and you know keep it above board financially but also cater to the needs of the people who work at this hospital so then based on what you've just said does it yes. matter what clinical background you have because if someone has a surgical background your thinking is very different to someone with a specialist physician background which is different to a psychiatry background, even though it might be generalizing, but I'm quite sure we can pick up key differences in the way that those different departments work. So now someone who's running a hospital is coming from that background. Do you not think that that will make a difference at all? Or do you think as long as there's some clinical experience, it's fine? So I I, I hear you and I completely get what you're saying. Um, And I think if we branch out of the realm of only doctors running, being or running or being considered for this position, I think that what we're getting to, what I'm getting to when I when I say that they need to have this sort of um, background of or medical background, I think it boils down to sort of the basic principles. I think it's someone who has had exposure to the principles of patient care, 
you know, as a basis, because obviously, you know, a nurse might not know or might not be well-versed in which, which suturing material is best for what. But I think the suturing material and the gel codes, I think that's a very broad example that can be cleared up easily at the level of an, an HOD, getting to know what the matrons need, getting to know what the interns and registrars and medical officers need. I think mm. my my point is that we need someone who has had a, an, a learned exposure of patient care. Yeah, I agree. Just to like a, a young span in the works, just as a, something to think about, because we all agree that there is like a need for like some additional qualification or extra learning. But just uh, there are those outliers who like even this, uh, in, if you use business as an example, like they didn't go to business school, but they just had that entrepreneurial talent or good people skills and were able to build great organizations but also remembering that those are the outliers more than than the rule. So yeah. even in this sense, like I'm sure there's some clinical managers or hospital managers or hospital CEOs out there who haven't touched uh, business school, but they know how to get their hospital running very efficiently. But I think that's just more on the um, topic of natural talent. So I think also in, in this sense, there are talented individuals out there and it's how do we find that talent, you know? Because, I mean, some people are suited to run hospitals, you know, and maybe their talent just isn't being picked up and then they're broken by the system and they end up leaving or going and doing something else. So I think maybe that's another topic. How do we identify the the talent? I completely agree. completely agree. Rai, would you like to close us off with a controversial comment or question for the listeners to ponder upon until next week's episode? (laughs) Nothing controversial, but just even though I was trying to play devil's advocate, although there's not some serious empirical evidence, according to a 2016 U.S. News and World Report, two uh-huh. of the best-run hospitals in the U.S., which are the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic, are both run by two physicians, John no- Jones Noseworthy and Delos Cosgrove. So, yeah. I think that maybe there is something to this, but like we said, there's no empirical evidence. This was more like a kind of voting public opinion kind of thing. But yeah, that's sure. that's all I've got for you. Uh, I accept it. Thank you very much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of 15 Minute Medicine, where our goal is to make medicine sim- as simple as possible, but not simpler than that.